Welcome to the KPMG Tax Now podcast. In recent years, fringe benefits tax has enjoyed a bit of a hiatus from large-scale regulatory change in ATO attention. As such, the primary focus for us and clients has been on ways to improve processes and governance. However, FBT year-end is fast approaching and there has actually been quite a few tax technical developments and new guidance released last year. So it's going to be important for tax and finance teams to be across these. Hello, my name is Stacey Bigger. I'm a Senior Manager in KPMG's Employment Tax Practice. Today we will be exploring some of the technical changes and also sharing insights on how FBT processes can be automated. With me today to discuss is Hayley Locke and Nathan Hamilton, both partners in KPMG's employment tax practice. Hello to you both. Hi, Stacey. Hey, Stacey. In November, the ATO released a draft car parking ruling that updates the former 1996 ruling to take into account contemporary car parking arrangements. In particular, these updates um, are likely to have a significant impact on any businesses with parking near shopping centres, hospitals, airports. Nathan, what do employers need to know and how can they begin to quantify the potential impact? Thanks, Stacey. Um, so you know, what do employers need to know? First and foremost, there is a new draft ruling there. So I suggest that um, if you do provide car parking to your employees, you do read that. Um, but to provide a little bit of context as to what that's all about. Um, That's an update to a a, a ruling that was formerly a 1996 ruling. So it's been a really long time coming. Um, And there's been case law in this space, um, including a Qantas case in 2014, um, that I think it's fair to say um, was not favourable to the taxpayer in that it, it, it broadened some of the thinking around this concept of commercial car park, what is a commercial car park? Um, And that concept's really important because whether or not your car parking gives rise to FBT depends on whether there's a commercial car park within a one kilometre radius charging over a certain level, Um, currently $8.95. The recent ruling um, includes the ATO's current thinking. So an update from 1996 to accommodate the case law and the changes in the the various ways in which you know car parking um, is is provided um, it does take a broader approach and Stacy you mentioned um, uh, you know airports hospitals and shopping centers um, in the earlier draft there was some more favorable, um, language um, that allowed a lot of these facilities to be excluded predominantly because of the fact that they're not really designed to take, um, you know, they're not really designed for all day parking for, say, someone who's working in a business. They're designed for shoppers, they're designed for people visiting sick people in a hospital, they're designed for commuters. Um, and in fact, they often have penalty rates which try to discourage people from parking in those facilities. Um, the earlier ruling took that into account and, and for the most part it was accepted that those types of facilities weren't commercial car parking. So businesses within the vicinity of those places um, weren't necessarily impacted. The new ruling is, is quite different and it's very possible that those um, types of facilities, if there's one near your business premises, um, very well could be regarded as a commercial car parking facility and you need to be aware of that. 
Now, um, the, the, the changes in the ruling uh, do apply from uh, 1 April 2020, so the next FBT year. Um, but the concepts that are considered in that ruling um, are particularly relevant for you to consider as you're preparing your current FBT return for a couple of reasons. Um, one, there could be a view that um, you, you, there's already an impact, notwithstanding that these particular changes won't apply from the start of, until the start of the next FBT year. Um, but two, you need to know for the purposes of budgeting for next FBT year um, and making business decisions such as whether you're actually going to continue to provide car parking to employees, um, you need to know what the impacts are and how much that's going to cost you. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, that budgeting process is going to be really important for people. You certainly don't want any surprises. And while we've put in a submission and we're sort of hoping that some of those concepts might change in the finalisation of the ruling at, at this current point in time, it's very clear that that's the ATO's view that those kind of shopping centre car parks are in. And so I think that at this point, for planning purposes, it, it, it's better to count those as well. And it's relevant to note... Um, you know, there, 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 is, there are some things you can consider to, to try and manage your costs in this space. Um, the, you know, a hospital or a shopping centre might charge a rate as high as 40 or $50 a day, but there's no, it's not the only method of calculating the value of the benefits you're providing. Um, there is a market value method that allows you to obtain a, a professional valuation um, of what the car parking you're providing to your employees is really worth. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you're in FBT because of your proximity to these expensive facilities, there's every likelihood that the market value of your car parking will be substantially lower. Um, so do consider that as an option. The ATO does have, um, you know, quite strict requirements around um, what the valuer needs to consider in issuing that report and the onus is on taxpayers to make sure that that's been done appropriately. Um, but if you need assistance, very happy to um, gi you know, give you advice as to particular valuers and the methods that they um, are using to ensure that you're compliant. So another area that the ATO has updated their guidance to reflect contemporary arrangements is for travel expenses. So Hayley, this has been a bit of uh, a lot of movement in this area in recent years. So can you provide us a little bit of an outline of how the guidance on the deductibility of travel expenses has changed and how employers can practically apply the new guidance? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, again, similar to the car parking, we're in a situation where we had a, a really old ruling from 1986 that was updated in 2017 by the ATO when they released a draft that covered quite a lot of areas. So it covered transport, uh, accommodation and, and incidentals in a, in a travel context. And it was really trying to bring those concepts into a modern, modern workday kind of scenarios. And I guess uh, one of the challenges with that is, is that if, if we take a big step back, what we're talking about here is costs that an employer might reimburse or pay for an employee for travel. And whether or not those costs attract FBT or not depends on whether or not we can make an argument that they would have been otherwise deductible to the employee. So if the employee had incurred those costs themselves, 
put it in their own tax return, they could claim a deduction. And part of the tension that we're seeing the ATO uh, and taxpayers grapple with is the idea that we have these fundamental concepts that home to work travel is private, right, and not deductible for tax purposes. So I don't get to deduct my bus fare, you don't get to deduct your train fare, we don't get to deduct our car costs for home to work travel because it's, it's got that private nature because you choose where you live. The problem is, is that we're then having to uh, sort of delineate between our circumstances and a whole plethora of workplace scenarios, including you know fly and fly out workers to remote areas, including people who have genuine commuting arrangements or split roles across different parts of the country. And travel these days by air, obviously, is a lot different to what we might have um, had in 1986. So it's really sort of grappling with those concepts. So just to be clear, this this redraft that was released in December is actually an update only of the transport component of the draft that was released in June. So we're still waiting for the accommodation and the incidental redraft, which we're hoping will come out shortly. So what taxpayers really need to do is that this FBT return, we've got a, a redraft of those transport costs. So you really need to look at well, what are the circumstances that you're paying for employee travel and whether or not they, they meet those ATO new requirements, which this new draft is sort of probably a, a little closer focused on the decision about whether or not that transport cost is really an employee choice or whether it's an employer requirement. And so we'll be working through that with a lot of our clients to sort of try and practically implement that this FBT season. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Well, one of the interesting things I think with the with the most recent draft is that it's, you know, it's a number of useful concepts or concepts that I thought were pretty useful in, in um, the earlier draft rulings. Um, concepts like your special demands, yeah, travel. Yeah, coexisting work um, locations. Co yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, you and I have spoken about this, Haley, and we're working together on um, some submissions um, in, in relation to the consultation process. But, you know, I, I thought the, the removal of some of those things were a little bit disappointing because I, I, I didn't mind those as concepts. What do you think? Yeah, I think like they definitely added length to the ruling, but also I, I felt there was a little bit more clarity there for, for employers. And when we actually were applying those practically in the returns in the last couple of years, we could kind of see how the concepts were supposed to supposed to work. So certainly hoping that um, as we finalise with, with the ATO, we, we, we do get some clarity around some of those more common scenarios. So I think as part of our submission we're sort of looking to see well what what examples could we include to make it clear for, for everyone going forward oh when fbt legislation was drafted one thing that definitely was not on the radar at that point in time was the introduction of ride sharing apps so the taxi travel exemption in the fbt act for home to work travel um, does not currently cover off on ride sharing trips Nathan, are you able to give us an update on the progress of any amendments to that exemption and what employers can do if we don't get any changes this FBT year? Sure. So um, taxi travel and Uber travel is a contentious area in FBT world. Um, you might be aware that there are concessions um, to exempt taxi travel uh, to and from work and taxi travel um, in relation to employees who are, you know, ill or injured. Um, but there's a particular definition of taxi in the FDT Act, which is, you know, confined to vehicles licensed to operate as a taxi, which Ubers are not. As you probably know, the model of Uber is really different. So it's private vehicle owners um, supplying, you know, transport services to customers via a technology 
platform and it's certainly not licensed in the same way that taxis are. So what you have is a circumstance where um, you know, it's still travel, you still have um, employees potentially using that form of transportation to get to and from work or to get home when they're sick. Um, but because it's not a taxi for FBT purposes, it doesn't satisfy that exemption and that's been the view of the ATO. Um, interestingly, um, taxis, uh, Ubers are taxis from a GST yeah, point so of a, view. It's a bit of a weird outcome, right, from a legislative perspective. You've got the finding that ta- uh, Ubers are taxis or rideshare is taxis for GST, but not for the purposes of the FBT exemption. Yeah, so. and, uh, and, and, and it's really, you know, been a source of confusion. Um, and, and, you know, naturally one of the, 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 the core principles of a good tax system is that it's consistent and and coherent and so a circumstance where you've got you know two different taxes with different treatment of the same um the the same business model is is a bit weird um look the reason that gst um treats it differently is because the definition's different it has this concept of taxi travel which doesn't have that licensing component so that's that's kind of why we needed a legislative solve right because just that the definitions were just different so we couldn't get there on an interpretive approach, and the ATO gave it a good a good crack and asked for some feedback on it, but it got to the point where it really had to just go to Treasury. Yep. So positively, um, we do have draft legislation which is due to go through the lower house. I don't have a date for that, um, but the hope is obviously that that goes through soon. Um, the 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 draft legislation is set to be retrospective, back to the start of the current. FBT year. So we've all got our fingers crossed that yeah, this goes so, through. But so, just in case it doesn't, what do you think people should be doing? Yeah, that's right. So look, we've obviously you know got till the 21st of May or 25th of June, depending on whether you lodge via a tax agent. With a bit of luck, we'll be all clear. Um, I, I guess you've got um, you know, a couple of things to think about. If that's not clear, you, you still have other concessions in the FBT Act. So look at whether you can eliminate um, a number of those Uber trips using the minor and infrequent benefits concession. Um, but 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 other than that, you've you've got a choice as to whether you you know look to apply that um, that that legislation on the hope that that comes through and, and your, the treatment that you've adopted is proven to be correct or conservatively um, you may choose to tax it based on the current ATO interpretation and the current law that exists um, and if that legislation does come through and remains retrospective back to the start of the, the, the 2020 FBT year um, you'll, you'll have the ability to amend and claw that back. So in talking with clients in the lead up to FBT in recent years, there's been a common theme. Preparers are a little overdoing line by line general ledger reviews, collecting declarations, logbooks, and just following up non-responders again and again. So Hayley, what have you seen companies doing to try and streamline and automate some of those FBT processes? Yeah, I think it's definitely a hot topic within FBT is to basically how could we do less and achieve our same outcome from a compliance perspective, right? Uh, and we are we're moving away from that kind of line by line approach and a, and a paper based approach. So so if your process is still at that point, make sure you you reach out and you do find out what what products are out there to to provide you that support. So I think there's a couple of different things. So you know just just throwing out an example, we have some clients that we work with who collect 
you know, hundreds of paper-based declarations to support their FBT positions. There are better ways of doing that. And we've definitely worked with clients um, around using emails, uh, electronic signatures, intranet platforms, apps, the like, just to make sure that you're actually able to sort of collect that data in sort of a, a modern and efficient way and make sure that it's flowing through to your FBT return. One thing that we're really excited about this season is that we've just started work with Thomson Reuters on their FBT OneSource product. So that's a really exciting partnership for us. We're doing some work with them at the moment around tax compliance, testing on the product itself to make to make sure all the calculations uh, are, are flowing through as we would expect. But at the same time, we're really excited about the prospect of working with them going forward and, and just the ability to be able to provide more solutions for clients. I don't think, Nathan, we're not going to get to the one click in my FBT return is done but we're working towards it right yeah so. the nature of the beast fbt is a bit of a clunky one um there's still a, a, a way to go but i think it's fair to say it's getting better better and better both for our clients and also for the work that we do here internally right like we're using more and more technology to actually deliver yeah. the services we're preparing that, returns too guys like yeah, yeah, yeah. and so we, 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 we don't we want our people doing line by line reviews so so yeah exactly i think there's that that's on the job experience that's actually allowing us to build out these tools that have a real utility then for our clients as well and that technology is really moving FBT away from general ledger towards the expense management system, which has the additional data that makes it quicker. And also you can be applying exemptions that you couldn't just based on general ledger data alone. Yeah, if you didn't have the data, you couldn't sort of support. So there may actually be a lower FBT outcome for you by using some of these automation and analytics products because we can actually suck in and, and analyse that data in, a, in, a, in an efficient way which might actually allow you to adopt a methodology to reduce your FBT and car parking is actually a really good example of that. One final comment, I suppose, on that. The, 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 the other end of the spectrum when it comes to getting good data out of your system is actually looking at whether you can make changes at the front end. We're oh, doing totally more and more true. work to help yeah. clients actually configure their, um, you know, travel and entertainment expenditure systems or expense yeah. plan systems to actually capture the right data on the way in. Yeah, so so the tax team, yeah, tax team needs a seat at the table as part of those discussions and something that we're working with a number of people on. So, yeah. Thanks to our guests, Hayley Locke and Nathan Hamilton, partners in KPMG's employment tax practice. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Register for KPMG Tax Now to access the website and receive regular updates from across the tax industry. Thanks for listening.